Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And now for something completely different. Welcome to another episode of the Get Cocky Podcast, part of the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler, and we have a great show for y'all today. Carolina obviously has a big game tomorrow against Kentucky, but it's also a big weekend around the rest of college football, which we haven't talked about in a while. So we're going to check back in with Andrew Mason Dixon for some picks for this weekend. But before we get to Drew, I want to remind you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. That's the best way to support the podcast. And for those of you that already have rated and reviewed and subscribed to the podcast. We really appreciate it because that helps us uh, do a lot more of this. And we always welcome any feedback that you guys have for the podcast. As I mentioned, when we started this thing, this is a living, breathing entity. So anything that you love or hate or want to hear more of or less of or got any fun ideas for a new segment, just let us know. We're open to all sorts of suggestions. All right. It's really hard to overstate what the stakes are for Saturday's game. Not only the obvious unconscionable five-game losing streak, but the idea of this team starting one and four going into the bye week and then having to go to Athens where they're going to be a 20-plus point underdog is just so bad that all you can do is really laugh. I had somebody on my local show today call in and say, what happens if Carolina actually starts the season one and five in the SEC or one and five and oh and four in the SEC? What is the headline going to be? And I said, it's just got to be like crying laughing emojis or maybe just crying emojis, but it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. The Vegas over-under seemed like such a surefire thing in the beginning of the season. This is the closest I've ever come to putting a bet on a team that I am at all emotionally invested in. And I, fortunately, I didn't, but it seemed like such a sure thing that Carolina would get over the five and that the wheels have come off. And how quickly they have come off is just really shocking. Even compared to what most people thought was a low ball, this is, this is, a disaster. That Vegas five, when you look at what games they were probably suggesting Carolina would win, was probably North Carolina, Charleston, Southern Kentucky, App State, and Vanderbilt. And I guess when you lay it out like that, Carolina is really just one off pace. And with Tennessee looking much worse than expected and now more winnable, it's you know maybe something of a wash. Um, but and to be clear, by the way. For those of you that are concerned, I'm, this isn't about to be a justification for why five wins is good for this team um, or, or this season. Although, at this point, it's kind of the high end of what can reasonably be expected. I can't decide, though, if this is just a classic case of cognitive bias and proximity to the program coloring expectations and causing me to miss an obvious kink in the armor that Vegas saw and I guess other people around the country saw because the over-under didn't budge much from five. So most of the money, I mean, it was even action apparently on the over-under of five. I said this on Monday, though, 
that Vegas might end up being right for the wrong reasons because I still very much believe in the talent of this team, which I feel like is mostly how these win projections are factored. I guess they take into consideration trends and, and things like that, but I feel like it's mostly got to be based on talent. And if you look across the board, it's not crazy to say that, that Carolina has improved in pretty much every way from the team last year. They've gotten improvements at linebacker with Ernest Jones and Sherrod Green really both taking steps. Sherrod Green not playing as much, which you know maybe reducing his snap count because he played a, just a ridiculous amount of snaps last year has really positively contributed or or contributed to him playing more positively and then Ernest Jones I think has been really solid defensive back play has improved just by virtue of all those guys being healthy and even if it's not great because they've given up a lot of explosive plays it's average ish based on the eye test I think it's probably fair to say the defensive lines made a huge leap with Kinlaw especially living up to every bit of that first or second round draft pick kind of hype that he was getting coming into the season and offensively the line's probably been about what's expected it hasn't been great I don't think it's been dramatically worse, if at all, than expected. Uh, Brian Edwards has been much better than expected as the emerging playmaker for Carolina. The running backs have both been better than expected. The quarterback play may sort of end up being a wash in terms of the reality versus the expectations because of the injury to Bentley and the fact that through three games we still really don't know a whole lot about Ryan Helensky. But I don't think you can look at one group and say that they've underperformed what a reasonable preseason expectation was, and yet... Here we are, this team's still reeling in desperate need of a win and really on the precipice of true shambles after North Carolina and then after Missouri. Both of those scenarios seem like it was the darkest timeline, as I mentioned on, uh, on my podcast on Monday. But this is really sort of like a whole another level. Saturday is the tipping point. The difference between, well, Missouri on the road is tough and that North Carolina game is the real wart on your schedule and all of the closet business people and economists of Twitter emerging to analyze the fiduciary feasibility of buyouts is just four quarters of smash mouth football with a team that has won that battle the last five years away. Actually, I guess it's four of the last five, but in 2014, the last time that Carolina did win the rushing matchup and the first of these five games that they lost to Kentucky, they lost a turnover margin three to one. So that was kind of the story of that game that year Carolina outrushed Kentucky 282 to 239 and in 2013 the last time Carolina actually won and in a game when Jadavian Clowney somewhat controversially sat out with what I feel like was maybe bone spurs in his foot if I remember correctly uh, they outrushed Kentucky 178 to 123 so that's been a pretty good bellwether in terms of which team is going to win but the margins are slim uh, since Kentucky likes to run and they always have good backs to challenge Carolina or Maybe I should say the margins are slim when Carolina rushes for more yards because over the last four years, Kentucky has run for 334 total yards more than Carolina. Wow, 334. The good news for Carolina is that Kentucky is already down to its backup quarterback, Sawyer Smith, who through a couple of weeks as a starter is one of the worst passers in the SEC, according to Pro Football Focus, which should make it easier to just key the run. And not that Terry Wilson was exactly good at throwing the football, but he at least added the extra element of running the football, which Sawyer Smith doesn't have in the same way that Terry Wilson does. So just one fewer thing to worry about. And now the Wildcats find themselves with a banged up immobile pocket passer who isn't even really that good at being a pocket passer. The bad news is that Kentucky does have guys like Lynn Bowden and six foot five or six foot six Ahmad Wagner, aka Ahmad Flagner, because he has drawn seven pass interference calls on 16 targets this year, which can help Sawyer Smith out if he gets the ball out in space quickly. You know, a quick screen to Bowden or just throws up any jump balls to Wagner. He's either going to catch it because he's six six or he's going to draw pass interference because that's what he does. Now, 
to go back to last week, I still don't think Missouri was a particularly inspiring team offensively. Carolina's defense played well, held them to just 20 points. Kelly Bryant, as we heard Will Helms talk about in my Monday Get Cocky podcast, his passer, not passer rating, but the way that Pro Football Focus graded his the passing part of his game as opposed to the running part of his game, didn't grade out much better than Holinsky, and we've all talked now ad nauseum about the poor performance that it was from Holinsky, so if that gives you any idea. But Kentucky feels like a similar team, probably, in terms of firepower. Similar running back, I think it's fair to say. A.J. Rose and Cavassier smoke, I don't know, is probably similar in terms of productivity and explosiveness to Larry Roundtree and to Tyler Beatty. Maybe a little bit worse. Roundtree is a 1,000-yard rusher in the SEC, or was last year. Didn't do a whole lot against the Gamecocks, fortunately. And you credit the defensive line um, for, for being able to keep him in check. And, and most of the damage on the ground seemed to have been done, at least in those crucial moments, by Kelly Bryant sort of getting outside of the pocket and things like that. So similar running back. Less threatening at quarterback is Kentucky than Missouri. Probably more threatening at wide receiver because of those two guys that I just mentioned. Better on the offensive line, which is probably the strength of this entire Kentucky team. But despite some gaudy, in a bad way, numbers through four games and some eye-opening missed tackles, Carolina isn't 1-3 because of the defense. You have 24 points to North Carolina. You have 20 points to Missouri. Those are both games you should absolutely win you need to be able to score more than 24 and 20 points in those games and, and win that so the offense has to not only move the football but they have to score once they get into kentucky territory and actually take advantage of any short fields that they get defensively kentucky's probably going to do exactly what missouri did stack the box and let helensky try to throw we know that he's been or we think that he's been at practice i guess but he's probably still dealing a little bit with that sore elbow it's going to be better for him presumably being at home but now you have the X factor of Harian Joyner not being there, so you don't have that change of pace guy, and you're left with the, I mean, basically just the option of running a more traditional offense where you want to run it, you run it, and you have a quarterback that's not particularly mobile when you want to pass it. Uh, you're going to pass it, and I think in some ways that'll be good for Carolina because there have been times this season, especially when they get on the plus side of the field, when it seems like they get a little bit too cute, where they kind of outthink themselves at times, it seems like. So maybe, I'm not saying that not having to carry on Joyner is a good thing because he's a guy that does offer you some possibilities from a couple different positions and doing a couple of different things. But in terms of Carolina just fluidly operating its offense and getting, you know, Helensky back on track and I guess having by virtue of not having a mobile quarterback, having to run the ball a little bit more to get that part of your offense going, I think it could ultimately end up being a good thing, but it all starts with the run. They need to be more hard-headed in that respect, and Will Muschamp said as much earlier in the week in his press conference, and that's easier said than done, and especially when Kentucky has a guy like Calvin Taylor at defensive end who, as West pointed out on ACP Wednesday, has been as disruptive from that end spot as Javon Kinlaw has uh, from his interior defensive line spot. Even still, this doesn't feel like it's going to be a high-scoring game, so being able to stay on the field and, more importantly, making sure your defense isn't on the field for 91 snaps again is going to be vital. Carolina needs to run early and often. Usually, I like to look at yards per carry as an effective measure of rushing success, but this is a game where it feels like Carolina needs to get to 150 or so rushing yards no matter what, even if it's on just three and a half yards a carry, even if it's not super efficient. But they just need to let being at home carry them, minimize mistakes, control the pace, the clock as much as they can, which, I mean, they can't. I mentioned it on Monday, but they've lost the time of possession battle in 15 of their last 17 games. So I'm not saying they need to win time of possession to win the football game, but it needs to be close. They just need to they need to keep the crowd in it. And if they don't, 
then my Monday podcast, which I titled The Darkest Timeline, will already look like uh, the understatement of the year. I don't even think I should probably say that I feel good about Carolina's chances because I said the same thing when they were a 12-point favorite against North Carolina and last week as a 9.5-point underdog against Missouri. So maybe I just don't have an idea of what this team is going to do either way. So I should just stop making predictions. Um, But this is a head start to roll in a very real way kind of game if Carolina can't pull it out. And so I guess my feeling on this is is has more to do with it. I feel like you shouldn't underestimate the power of desperation, especially being at home. And again, this team has displayed a lot of variance this year. I think it's a little bit harder to argue that now after what happened in the Missouri game because I think you can look at the Alabama game and say, that you know Alabama wasn't playing well, Carolina had some momentum because they were at home. That wasn't really indicative of the kind of team that they are. But again, just the eye test and some of the advanced metrics on the individual performers that Carolina has on both sides of the ball and those little glimpses that you saw against Alabama just do have me believing in the variance of this team, which is, again, very, very frustrating. But it, I guess, explains why I would feel reasonably good about Carolina going into this game, even though the one and three record and the bad performances against North Carolina and Missouri would tell me that maybe I shouldn't feel that good about it. But either way, I'm, I'm not going to make a prediction. It just it, it feels like it feels impossible for Carolina to be one and four going into the bye week. But I also would have told you it was impossible for Carolina to be one and three going into the Kentucky game. So I, I don't know. This is the most confusing football team I remember. I, I can remember watching in, in I mean, anything Carolina or otherwise, this team just doesn't make any sense. All right, here comes the Mason Dixon Lines Week 5. This is a segment that I do on my local radio show, which you can catch on 107.5 The Game every weekday at noon. This segment in particular we do on Fridays at 12.30. So here comes Andrew Mason Dixon. Mason Dixon Lines Week 5. Another good week. We're into the season now. So now we have plenty of good games to choose from. And, And Drew and I have just spent... Uh, way more time this year than we did last year and making sure we curate the absolute perfect list of games. Uh, So we got a great slate for y'all. Hope you enjoy the games. We welcome in Andrew Mason Dixon now to his own segment. Drew, how's it going? You know, who won last week? I can't remember. Oh, Drew knows who won last week. He got his first win of the season. And without further ado, Drew, I'm going to hit the timer here. I'll give you 30 seconds of good quality FaceTime for your first win of the season. Fellas, when I'm watching any movie, what's on my mind? Does the dog die.com. It's the website devoted to answering the question you're dying to know as soon as that ball of fur is on camera. Don't wait to wax 100 bad guys and it feels like nothing but one little puppy. Look, this website answers all those emotional spoilers, including, yes, does the cat die too? It's the best website in the world. Does the dog die.com. There you go. <laughs> so if you're someone that is sensitive, to animals dying and there are other things as well it's not just as the dog died as a cat died the, the website has expanded um so if you're someone that's that's worried about this isn't you know, real no this is real there's this is 100% no way real yeah so if you're watching a movie like if you're watching irobot and and you're like a real dog person you don't want to see a dog die is this y'all's website no i wish i wish we thought of it uh, <laughs> oh, I, I wish i could take credit for that but it's great i'll tell drew, my wife about it drew thank you for that psa that, that's going to help folks everywhere decide what movies to watch and what not to watch and uh, as we get right into it, Drew, we'll uh, let you start. As always, the first game we pick is, let's see, is this tonight? Is this Maryland-Penn That's tonight, right? Maryland-Penn State? Yes, sir. All right, Maryland, there's six-and-a-half-point underdog at home against Penn State. 
Yeah, look, there's a VIP in the building tonight. Back for the first time in 10 years at Maryland, Coach Ralph the Fridge Friedgen coming back in the building. You know, James Franklin was on his Maryland staff for eight years. But let me just, look, Maryland's feeling height. They're all dressed in all black tonight. Sounds to me like they're going to a funeral, all right? Penn State, 39-2-1 versus Maryland all-time. Sean Clifford, it'll be his first road game, but he's not scared. He's played turnover-free ball this year, 781 passing yards and six touchdowns in only three games. That, that struggle against Pittsburgh looks better after Pitt beat UCF last week. Crab, cake, crab cakes and bad football uniforms, all right? That's what Maryland does best. Give me Penn State and blowout. <laughs> yeah, so you said Maryland's wearing all black, huh? All black uniforms. I can't stand all black uniforms. I actually think it's a visual impairment of the quarterback, so I'm out. Mm. Give me Penn State. All right, we're all going Penn State here. So Maryland lost to Temple, and they won the turnover margin by two in that game. That's not super impressive. Their quarterback, Josh Jackson, has struggled this year, so I don't have to worry about a backdoor cover. This opened at seven, but getting that extra half point, Penn State's definitely going to win by a touchdown. So give me Penn State giving six and a half. Next up, Notre Dame taking on your beloved who's, Drew. Notre Dame is a 13-point favorite in South Bend. Who you like? Yeah, dude, look, Notre Dame proved doubters wrong. All they did by just hanging in against Georgia last week. But, look, they got a Virginia squad with a defensive unit that I'm sure Gamecock fans are familiar with. And, look, this season, UVA's defense, 14th in total defense. They're only allowing 18 points a game, and they're tied for first in the nation with 20 sacks, okay? This UVA squad, speaking of Pitt Panthers, UVA beat Pitt by two touchdowns on the road, all right? Rice Perkins, effective senior dual-threat quarterback for the Hoos. Notre Dame's offensive line, okay, not great. Look, I like the Hoos keeping it close in leprechaun land. Yeah, I am a big, big Bronco Mendenhall fan. After spending a little time with him last year, I was so impressed with what he's done. And if he can get those guys of Virginia, because there's not a lot of people from that went to UVA that I really like. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, no, if he can get those guys going, then then anybody can. So I I, I, uh, I like the UVA for sure. 13 is a lot of points. Virginia has won the rushing battle in all four of their games this season and the time of possession battle in three of their four games. That's the recipe for keeping it close, keeping it within two scores. Also worth noting the over-under for this game is 48 and a half, which could make for a really nice parlay of Virginia spread with the under, you can get plus 260 or like plus 264 on that. So that's really interesting. I'm going Virginia plus 13. Hopefully we have some variety in our picks in these next three games. I wouldn't be surprised, Pearson, if Virginia wins. Wouldn't Ooh, be surprised. Oh, a real not so fast, my friend. All right, next up, though, we got Washington. They're a 10.5-point favorite at home against Southern Cal. Yeah, Matt Fink will be behind center for Southern Cal this uh, that Saturday night game. Southern Cal, they... Even beating Utah last week, they've shown they just don't have that strong a running game. All right? They only had 28 yards last week. They're only averaging a little bit more than 110 yards a game right now. That That's not the recipe for success against this Washington defense. They're second in the Pac-12 in passing defense. And Jacob Eason's looked pretty good throwing the ball this year. USC lost to BYU, and Washington just blasted BYU by 20, like, I think 45-19. Look, give me the Huskies big. They'll merge as the favorite in the Pac-12. Typical mistake of comparing the game. What's that called, Pearson, that you say? The 
the transitive property of yeah, football? Yeah, the transitive property <laughs> yeah. of football doesn't work. Typical media mistake. Give me Southern Cal. I'm going Southern Cal as well. Last week I said no JT Daniels, no problem. How about no Slavis, no problem. Matt Fink, 21 of 30 in that game against Utah, 351 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. There might be a little bit of a regression here in game two and start number one for Fink, but the rest of this roster is excellent. This game opened at nine and a half, and I liked Southern Cal to cover anyway, and now I'm getting a whole extra point. Also, get ready to ding myself here, Pearson. Uh, Southern Cal seven and three against the spread in their last ten against Washington. Give me Southern Cal plus ten and a, or a plus yeah plus ten and a half. That's what it is. Uh, next up, Auburn is a nine and a half point favorite at home against Mississippi State. Yeah, look, you know, Auburn, impressive victory at Kyle Field last week, led by that, you know, Derrick Brown and that fearsome defensive front. It's Bo Nix, though. Bo Nix hasn't necessarily knocked my socks off this year in his first year. Uh, You know, two picks, less than 54% completion percentage, only 164 yards a game passing. That's 116th in the nation. Look, Miss State not only has the SEC's leading rusher in Kylan Hill, 550 yards, five touchdowns. I just think Auburn, they're feeling a little complacent, looking ahead to their big road test next week versus Florida. Does the dog die.com? I don't think so, not without a fight, but I'll take the Bulldogs <laughs> with the points. No, 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 I don't think so. I think Auburn is a very good football team, and they're a lot better than people give them credit for. And I think Auburn goes in there and handles Mississippi State by at least 14. I am a little bit scared of this pick for the reasons that Drew mentioned where Bo Nix isn't isn't quite there yet. He's not the guy that they need him to be if Auburn wants to be a legitimate contender. But that defensive line is really, really scary, as Drew mentioned. Also, Auburn is a pristine 4-0 against the spread this year, including 2 and 0 in games against 2 and 0 against the spread in games against top 25 teams of which Mississippi State is not one but I I don't know I just I really like rolling with a hot team in terms of covering the spread 9 and a half is a lot but I believe in that defense so I'm going Auburn giving 9 and a half uh, lastly we have game day from Nebraska where Nebraska is a 17 point underdog against Ohio State yeah, look, the Buckeyes have been blowing away opponents this year. Combined margin, 177 points over these four games. All right, and my preseason Heisman pick, Justin Fields, looking pretty good so far. 880 yards, 13 touchdowns, no picks. This is finally a primetime game to get that Heisman campaign going. And, and this Cornhuskers squad, Second in the nation in turnovers with 11. Not what you want to see there. Too much talent in the scarlet and gray. Buckeyes, big. I got to agree there. I like Scott Frost. I think he will turn Nebraska around. He's just not quite there yet. So uh, Ohio State looks impressive. Give me the Buckeyes. We're all going Ohio State in this one. Uh, You mentioned Nebraska well, actually, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I wrote this down. Nebraska 1-2 and two against the spread this year. They would be 1-3 and three if the South Alabama game to start the season had a spread. They only won that game by 14. I imagine it would be a lot more against an FCS opponent. And as you mentioned, Drew, Ohio State's margin of victory is ridiculous, averaging a 44-point margin of victory. And frankly, I don't know how much better Nebraska is than Cincinnati or Indiana, two teams that Ohio State has absolutely wiped the floor with. So I'm going Ohio State giving all of those 17 points which is maybe a bad idea because it's a home team and it's game day, which is a little bit scary, but I think Ohio State's just much, much better. Tiebreaker, which, uh, by the way, to update you because I forgot to mention it, uh, last week 
Drew won three to two, or he was three and two. Eric and I were both two and three. The tiebreaker went to me. The tiebreaker was uh, Ryan Holinsky passing yards, of which he had 130, 133, I think it was, or 136. I went the low bet with 230. This week, the tiebreaker is what will the difference in total rushing yards for South Carolina and Kentucky be? Uh, easy number. A little confusing, obviously. Too much math involved in this one for me, honestly. So I just went with the easy round 55. Mm, I think it's going to be really tight as well. So I'll go with the under there. I'll take 37. 37. Oh, see, I wanted to go low, but now you are going so low that I, I'm i going to say I'll go high then. I will say it's going to be – I'll say it's going to be 80. So I you like, have the advantage here because it's going last. I know. Next week I go last. That's the advantage of being the host. I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to go 80. I think South Carolina's defensive line uh, is going to match up well. It's going to continue strong play. I think Javon Kinlaw is going to have a big baller-style game and – uh Actually, finally slow down Kentucky's rushing attack for the first time in five years for South Carolina. Drew, before we let you go, you got a lock of the week for us? Yeah, I like this other Friday night game tonight. You know, California is coming in pretty high off that emotional roller coaster win at Ole Miss. You know, they're racking up a lot of airline mileage right now. Short week, flying back to host Herm Edwards and Arizona State, the Sun Devils. They've got a standout wide receiver in Brandon Ayuk. I think it's going to be a drag-em-out defensive-style game tonight. And in the endo struggles, I love points. So give me the Sun Devils and Sparky plus five. Arizona State plus five is the lock of the week. I should also mention uh, that Drew was very prescient and uh, – and liking the odds that he could get on Fleabag 7-1 to one to win the Emmy for Best Comedy over Veep, which is the overwhelming favorite in its last season. So uh, Drew Good at picking the, uh, the right value, and Arizona State plus five is what he likes this week. Before we let you go, any words of wisdom for the football-watching public this week, Drew? Uh, you know, Chernobyl. Does the dog die? I don't know. Might want to look that one up. Check it out on the website, doesthedogdie.com. It's funny. It sounds like we're doing an ad for this website that we run, but it's just he found it a couple years ago, and it's fantastic. But, Drew, great stuff as always. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back with another Get Cocky podcast on Monday. Y'all enjoy the game. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.